Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough-talking, advice-giving show by the not-really-mean, mean lady, Susan J. Elliott. Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, and welcome to episode 52. We're on episode 52, 52 it is. 52 for the win. Okay, so I know I said that. It's probably because I spent an inordinate amount of time alone. Anyway, when I was a kid, one of my first earliest memories was that I had this imaginary friend named Dubby. Now, don't ask me why I named her Dubby. Don't ask me. I just sort of came to when I was like four years old, and there she was. She was my imaginary friend, and I've never told anybody about her. I've, it is the first time I'm ever talking publicly or privately about her. I never told any of my friends that I had her. never told a boyfriend that I had her. never told Michael that I had her. Nobody has known that I had an imaginary friend. Perhaps she's back. Anyway, I have a bunch of stuff to talk about tonight. And remembering Dovey wasn't going to be one of them. But when I, too, I came to in front of this house called the houseboat and it wasn't anything spectacular it was on what was called the creek on lacombe avenue in the bronx and if you go to the top of lacombe you would go to castle hill which is if any of you are familiar with jennifer lopez she grew up there in castle hill and she was discovered at the kips bay boys and girls club which when i was growing up it was just the kips bay boys club because girls didn't need a club they were just going to stay home and learn how to cook and bake for Prince Charming. Uh, Jennifer Lopez got her start at the Kips Bay Boys and Girls Club, and that was a stone's throw from the houseboat. Anyway, that's that's that deal. I have no idea why I'm talking about that. I have lots of other stuff to talk about tonight, and as you guys know, I don't script my podcast, but I was thinking... I got this email. It was so bizarre. And you guys are sending me a lot of email, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. But And when I ask questions, I get emails from them. Please continue to send email. When you hear me ask a question on a podcast, go to your little phone or computer and write in meanladytalkingpodcast at gmail.com. The meanladytalking.com is under development right now. It actually is. The Getting Past Your Breakup website is also under development right now. Don't ask me why I decided to tackle all this stuff at once. I just did. Anyway, I would like to know what you want to hear. And I'm really trying to push out more podcast each week for you guys. I have some new stuff that I'm really thinking is going to make a difference. I think I said on one of my last podcasts that I have joined a few podcast groups and people have been very helpful. And some of the editors have given me really great tips. And I think that I'm really going to be able to down my editing time pretty soon. And if I can do that, that is going to be terrific. And that is going to get more podcast out. When the website is developed, that will get more podcast out. Anyway, I got this spam email and it came, it was supposed to come. This is what they say. It was supposed to come to me from me. And what it says, and they all say the same thing, and it always comes from like a bunch of people. It says, we have hacked into your computer. And to prove that, we're sending you email from yourself. And this email is to tell you that we... (laughs) We hacked into your computer. We turned on your webcam. We were able to see you masturbating. That's hilarious. It's just like, it's so funny. And the even funnier part of of the email was uh, you were on pornographic sites that featured teenagers. 
And I was like, oh, good Lord. And, you know, I was saying to a friend of mine that I was telling her about, I was telling about this crazy email and I was laughing because it's so bizarre. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And I was talking to her about it and she said, oh, you should do a podcast on that. I'm like, on what? On scammer emails? Oh, so you're supposed to pay them to Bitcoin. And according to them, it's like, don't even think about not paying them because they're going to splash this stuff all over the place or whatever. So my friend said, you should do a podcast episode on this. I was like, on what? I don't understand how this could ever be profitable. What are the chances that A, someone's going to believe that you hacked into their computer and B, turned on your web camera? Now, I know you can do that. I know that everybody that I know tapes something over their computer camera when they're not on it. I know that. Catching you masturbating... Why would you have your, I don't understand this. Anyway, and no, a porno such, it's, and, and somebody, not only did you get somebody who was doing that, you have to get somebody who's believing you and who's going to pay you. I, like, I don't even know what, I mean, the odds, if this is profitable, I would like to know about, it. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but I would just like to know how profitable this could possibly be. Because when I get them, I just like laugh my, my face off. Anyway, so my friend said, you've never really done a podcast on sex. And I was like, well, what am I going to say? Like, what am I going to do? I don't know. And I talked a little bit about sex with the Chicago guy. But that was sort of an aside in a story that was, and that was actually a relevant part of the story. In getting back out there, I have the sexual inventory. And one of the reasons that I have the sexual inventory is because over the past 25 years, I have counseled many people who were abused sexually in childhood and who have issues related to that. So the sexual inventory in getting back out there is designed not just for people that have sexual abuse, but people that have been in relationships, maybe they've been in relationships with people early on who convince them, you know, this is what you should be like, or that's what you should be like, or whatever. Maybe they've been in relationships where people have asked them to do things they're not comfortable with. Maybe they want to do things that nobody's ever consented to or whatever, you know, healthy, normal adult things, not anything crazy or abusive. And that's the reason why I brought it up with the Chicago guy was because I really thought that we were going to break up over his deal about bondage. And I was like, yeah, that ain't ever going to happen. So that's why I brought it up in that story. And yes, I haven't. But the sexual inventory in getting back out there is important. And it's important for both men and women. It's important for people who have been sexually abused. It's also important for people who have been in relationships with people where it hasn't really worked out sexually. Either you want too much or they don't want enough or whatever. And how do you work that out? How do you figure that out? The sexual inventory and getting back out there is something that I worked on for many years with clients. Not that clients were sitting down working on the sexual inventory, but I had clients do the sexual inventory. It talks about what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? How do you want to discuss this in future relationships? Do you need to discuss this in future relationships? Most people just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of factors. In getting back out there, the very first quote is from a guy who says that he's uncomfortable talking to a woman about a sexual history. He said that once he was with a woman and he always used condoms, which I implore people 
to make sure that if you're not with a person that you can stand to spend the next 20 years with, and if you don't know them, you don't know the answer to that question. If the answer to that question is not, yes, I can spend the next 20 years with them, use a condom. And so Lawrence, who was a client of mine and gave me permission to use this quote, had said that once he was with a woman and the condom broke and she said she wasn't on birth control. So ever since then, he was working on trying to get up the courage to ask that. Absolutely. Absolutely, Lawrence. There are so many issues. So I wrote the chapter in getting back out there and most of the critical reviews, and when I say critical, I don't mean that they were negative. I mean that it was from people who are recognized from the media, the publishing world, any place where the book was initially reviewed when it first came out. Many reviewers hailed it for tackling a subject like sex in dating and sexual inventory. So you have to think about childhood trauma and abuse. You have to think about early sexual experiences. You have to have a sexual standards and compatibility list. And I talk about that in getting back out there. This is so important to figure out long before you're ready to date. When I say that getting back out there is not a dating book, this is the stuff I'm talking about. The sexual inventory, the standards and compatibility inventory. These are all things that have to be done way, way, way before you're ready to date. And you cannot do when you start dating because a warm body and a cute face is going to throw you off your game completely and you're not really going to pay attention to it. You're going to give it short shrift. So please read Becoming Sexual and Becoming Exclusive and doing the sexual inventory in getting back out there. But that's not why I brought this up. I brought this up because I want to know what you guys want to talk about. I mean, do you want do you want a podcast episode? I've, I'm already on explicit because I swear a lot and because this is adult material and that's what we talk about. We talk about adult relationships and all kinds of things, but I've never really done a podcast episode on sex. So send me cards and letters, you know, let me know what you want. And to kind of go back to the imaginary friend thing, when I was a kid, I had anxious attachment and this is what we call fear of abandonment. I have studied John Bowlby's work. This is where the attachment issues and John Bowlby and Mary Answorth. I've studied their work for decades and I wanted my second book to be as great as Getting Back Out There is and it's not a dating book. It will help you when you start dating, but you need to get it long before you date. I wanted my second book to be when the person you love doesn't love you or reject the rejecter. And I wanted that book to be slanted toward people who were rejected, people who either were rejected, who were ghosted, disappeared off the face of the earth, all kinds of things. My editor who bought Getting Past Your Breakup, which I wanted to be and she wanted to be, we were on the same page, we wanted it to be for everybody. Getting Past Your Breakup is gender neutral, length of relationship neutral, gender orientation neutral, male, male, female, 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 male, whatever. And it was hard to write it that way, but I did because it was very, very important to me. I wanted my second book to be When the Person You Love Doesn't Love You or Reject the Rejector. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go immediately to the YouTube channel and look up the video when the person you love doesn't love you by getting past your past that's the channel for youtube and 
And if you go to the Getting Past Your Past YouTube channel, it should be the first one because it's the most popular video on there. So I wanted it to be that. She wanted getting back out there. She promised me that if I wrote Getting Back Out There, which I didn't want to write because it's all about love and relationships and getting ready for relationship and true love. The end of Getting Past Your Breakup talks about real love and getting back out there is a logical continuation, but I wanted person you love doesn't love you. So I agreed and then they were just supposed to go full steam ahead with when the person you love doesn't love you. I did write the proposal. They did make an offer and it was a slap in the face. And the reason it was a slap in the face was because getting back out there didn't have the sales that they thought it would have. They marketed it as a dating book, which it's not. And that's why I keep saying it over and over again. It was their marketing. It was their missteps on the book. And then they wanted to use those missteps against me to lowball me on an advance for the third book. And I said, no, I said, absolutely not. And so there was an offer made and I, and I said, no. So I'm publishing when the person you love doesn't love you. And I'm going to crowdfund it because it's, it's really expensive to do a book on your own, to do it right. I want an editor. Of course, I want an editor. Some of the self-published stuff that I've picked up has been absolute slop. I don't even know how everybody has suddenly turned into an author. And when I read them, I'm in the third sentence and I'm throwing the thing against the wall. It's absolutely abominable. It's abominable to write a book when you don't know how to write. It's even worse when you don't have an editor. That's crazy. And you need book designers, you need this, you need that. Anyway. So I'm going to be doing that soon and I'm going to be talking about attachment. I'm going to be focusing a lot on attachment issues. I loved academically John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. Their work is at the central core of my work, but I don't give it the attention that it needs. It's there. All of my work is based on things that they have come up with, that they have said, but I really, really, really want my next book to be focused on that. And I have the table of contents. I have the, all of that is going to be going up as soon as the website is done. And I'm going to be crowdfunding it. And I'm going to be doing the video shortly. I have a gazillion client stories to go in there, but I would really love to hear from people. I really, really, really would love to hear from people. I'd love to hear your questions about attachment. I have the proposal for the book. I have the first chapter and the table of contents. When I post all of that, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your stories. I would love to hear your questions. I would love all of that. Okay. That's that. The next subject, and I am like, I'm just like riffing off the top of my head. And I apologize if this comes out like all mangled. But we have been talking in the Facebook group a lot about positive self-talk and affirmations and things like that. And I want to get to that in a little bit. But a lot of my clients lately, I've had to keep reminding them that feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. And you should be okay with your feelings, but you also have to get to a point in your life where if you're grieving, you give your grief its due for a while and then you zip it up. And I talk about that in the grief podcast. You have to do it a little bit at a time. 
time and you have to learn how to zip it up, how to say that's enough is time for self-care. You have to do meditation, relaxation, all of that. All of that is in the workbook. Everything that I talked about the sexual inventory is in the workbook. And when I do the new book, I will put attachment exercises. I have a whole bunch of them in the workbook, probably version four. Okay, so a client said to me, if feelings are not right or wrong, they just are. What about love? Love is a feeling. And I said, yes, of course it is. And yes, love is not right or wrong. It just is. Nobody's saying that you should stop loving whoever it is that you love. That comes in time. If you're still in love with your ex, falling out of love will come in time. And also, you can still feel love for somebody that you know you just be in a relationship with and you can't even talk to. You are absolutely entitled to feel love for that person, but any kind of interaction is just going to hurt one or the other or both of you. So it's okay to feel that way, but you don't need to act on it. You need to understand the relationship is over, put a pin in it and move on. Love doesn't make any sense a lot of time, but one thing that's important, and I think this will come into later on, is that you want to understand that you can have irrational feelings sometimes. They don't make sense. Feelings don't make sense. And sometimes your feelings come out sideways and you have to understand that. Sometimes you're behaving in a way that has nothing to do with the situation at hand. You're feeling feelings about the situation at hand that make absolutely no sense. You're not quite sure what's going on. It's probably because the feelings have to do with something else. Many times I've been angry at something and it's not really what I'm angry about. And I remember one time I had a friend and I was really upset with her. I mean, really, really, really upset with her. I was more hurt than angry, but I was getting to a point in my grief process where I was starting to feel a lot of anger toward her. She betrayed me. She betrayed me in all kinds of ways and it was really horrible and it hurt a lot. And it was a betrayal that we had talked about. It was a betrayal that we had promised each other would never, ever happen. And I've talked about her before. And we talked about how we would never screw each other over for a relationship. And then that's exactly what she did to me. And then she said to me, well, this is different. And no, it wasn't different. It's not different. We spent eight years promising each other that we wouldn't do it. And I didn't do it. It was just her rationalization, her justification to hurt me. And as a time I was struggling with giving her space to have her honeymoon period, but it was getting to be late in the game. I mean, it was like getting to be two years. I mean, who gives two years to somebody to kind of stop having a honeymoon? And I kept thinking there was no way she's going to be happy in this relationship. So I was sort of standing by the sidelines waiting for it to end. And I saw this person is consuming her. This person is dictating her every minute of every day. My friend was a night owl. We used to talk to each other at 4 a.m. She was my 4 a.m. person. I had a 3 a.m. person, but she was my 4 a.m. person. I mean, we talked to each other at 4 a.m. night after night after night. And now I wasn't able to call the house after 9 p.m. because her and her partner would go to bed and they read stories to each other and do whatever the hell they did. It was like she fell into this relationship completely. She didn't miss me. She didn't care. I was gone. I was over. And it didn't matter to her. And I was crushed, crushed. I was like, how could you do this? I mean, I was in a relationship. And our friendship gave my life things that 
my relationship didn't give to me. So of course I wanted her in my life. And of course I made room for her in my life. You know, hobbies, friends, and interests, hobbies, friends, and interests. It's the drum I beat all the time, and it's the drum I believe in, and, and she said she did too, and, and then the minute she gets in a relationship, she doesn't believe in that anymore. And when we would see each other, she would watch the clock, because she would only come over when her partner was at work. And I'd watch her watching the clock. And the minute it got to be like 15 minutes before the partner's ready to go home, she's gone. I was depressed. I cried and cried and cried all the time. And like I've said, Depression is often anger turned inward, but sometimes anger is depression turned outward. I was so depressed and I was so hurt over what she had done. And I had a friend of mine, he's still a friend of mine, and emailing back and forth one day and I just took his head off over something, over something weird, over something strange, over something little. And he said to me, what are you so angry about? I lost it absolutely lost it. I knew exactly what it was about. And I knew I was angry about her. I knew it had nothing to do with him. And I had been there when her best friend had screwed her over for a relationship. So it was not just that she betrayed me, but she betrayed me and there was no me there for me. Like when her best friend betrayed her for a relationship, I was there for her. Every single night. And I was in a relationship. And I would have dinner with my boyfriend and my kids. And then I would take off and I would spend night after night on the front, on her front porch, drinking coffee, talking about it, and just getting her through it. And then when she did it to me, I didn't have a friend like that. There was nobody. And she couldn't see that what she was doing to me was not okay. And that she was putting me in this box. And that she was seeing me now at and again, and she was doing to me exactly what her friend had done to her. The same thing I had pulled her through. This was exactly what she had hurt so much over. And then she turned around and did it to me after promising me for eight years that she wouldn't do exactly what she did. And I had to come to terms with, I had to let her go. I couldn't trust her. She was a liar, a liar. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Instead of sitting around going, oh my God, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? I had to face the fact she was a liar, a big, fat liar. And I was so angry at this guy for no reason. And I had to apologize to him, which I don't do easily because I try not to do things that I have to apologize for, but I had to apologize for that. And he and I are still friends today. And I remember a quote from him because he and I talked about this. We talked about friends doing this and his best friend did it. And I guess I forget what his best friend's wife's name was. Let's say Sarah. And he told me that he said to his friend, I understand that Sarah gets 99% of your time, but I want my 1%. And when he said that to me, I thought, oh my God, that's exactly right. I wasn't getting my 1%. I was getting like 0.00001. And I was thinking, yeah, I wanted my 1% and I wasn't getting it. And now that guy who gave me so much perspective was the guy I was taking out on. And I went, okay, I have to be done with her. I have to let her go because I, I don't want my feelings about her to ruin any other relationship in my life. And after the book came out, she was there. I mean, just like, it's weird because I always say cockroaches scurry when you put the light on them. 
But when I my book came out, it was like the cockroaches came out. And I was like, what are you doing here? I don't want you here. And she couldn't even come to me by herself. She said something to me on on my blog. And like within 24 hours, her partner said something to me. I was like, you know what? I might have thought about talking to her, but the partner comes like swooping in. And I went, oh, for God's sakes. I was not friends with the couple. I was friends with her. And I didn't think we'd ever get back together. When she did that, I was like, well, some things never change. Anyway, you can still feel love for people, but that doesn't mean that you need to have them in your life. It's like Melody Beatty said. She said, you can still feel a twinge when you pass the froggy pond, but that doesn't mean you jump. Not at all. I've seen guys on jail shows and gone, oh my God, when I was 19, I would have went for him. You can still feel a twinge when you pass the froggy pond, but you don't have to jump in. And when people come on the Facebook group, People will use the word, I've been dumped, and we will always say something to the effect of don't use dumped because it's really important to not use words like that. It really is because you're not garbage, and that's what gets dumped is garbage. Please don't use words like that, and we try to be gentle. We try to be make somebody feel better when they come in, and we discuss getting past your breakup, getting back out there in the workbook. That's what the group is about. It's not to go in there and talk nonsense or talk about something that's the opposite of the program. And we have people who will go in there and they'll say, well, I did this, but I didn't do that. And it's like, the program doesn't work like that. It's not cafeteria style. It's not buffet style. You can't have the beans without the lettuce. You don't do it that way. And you don't say, well, you know, I did a little bit of the program and it was okay. Because, get out. I started that Facebook group because it was supposed to be the extension of the blog when I was having so much trouble with commenting and registration on the blog. And the blog was very, very popular. But I was having trouble with new people coming on registering. I was working full time as an attorney. I couldn't really deal with these registration issues all day. I bit the bullet and we moved the group to Facebook. And the Facebook group is for people who have the books, who have the workbook, and the new booklet series is coming out. The first one, The Power Affirmations, is out. Get it? It's wonderful. And how do I apply this program to my life? That's what the Facebook group is about. It's not a general breakup breakup group. It's not come in there and whine and get in contact with your ex and then have us all pat you on the head and say they're there. We're not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. Please review episode one of Mean Lady Talking Podcast and you'll figure out where all about. If you're looking for sympathy, you'll get it. You'll find it in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Go to episode one of Mean Lady Talking Podcast and you will find that. That's what we at. It's not, the Facebook group is not to go in there and talk nonsense or talk about something that's the opposite of the program. It's not what it's about. I started and I spend a lot of time in there and I have terrific moderators who also spend time in there and they do it absolutely for free. They do it because they work the program. They do it because the program worked for them and they want to give back. That's what they're there for. So when a new person comes in and they'll say, I got dumped, and me or one of the moderators will say, try not to think of it as dumped. Think of it as set free. So one of the moderators, somebody came in and said, oh, I was dumped. And one of the moderators said, try to think of it as set free. And I was going to go in there and say, yeah, we like to use terms which represent that you're released to find bigger and better thing or the best thing that ever happened to you. And yes, the name of the book does include the words devastating loss, but devastating loss doesn't equal dumped. I don't like the word dumped 
And I don't think people who are trying to move on from a breakup should be using that terminology. I just don't. Now, you guys heard me talk last year about the problems that I had with the Power Affirmations course, and I didn't want to have that. There were thunderstorms after thunderstorms after thunderstorms. I looked, I, I lost routers. I lost all kinds of things. I had videos that were destroyed. Things, terrible, terrible things happened. So I spent the last year revamping that course and it's ready to go, but it's not going out until it's absolutely perfect 100%, but it's almost there. But I want you guys to know that like I talked about in the 50th episode, and I made it a long episode because it was the 50th episode and it was very meaningful to me. And I'm really appreciate you guys. Your ratings and reviews, your subscribing is really, really helping the podcast. And please continue to do that. The Mean Lady Talking website will be up in the next week or so. Everything is coming up roses. Anyway, my therapist started changing me right away. I broke up in February. And in September, I went to court to get the restraining order. I was a different person. And I was a different person when she told me to tell him to keep them. That was only weeks after we broke up because I was spending two days a week sobbing for hours, listening to him degrade me horribly. And if I didn't listen, he was threatening to keep the kids. And my therapist said, tell to keep them. I needed somebody. I needed people to say, if you're looking for sympathy, you'll find in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. I needed that. But I also needed to be introduced to self-care and positive self-talk. It's a whole thing. So yeah, we get tough, but we also get gentle and we get huggy when we say, be good to you, be gentle to you. It's not all about that, but it's a lot about that. I changed very quickly in the first year. And it was her and it was 12-step people. It was the support groups. It was the conferences. I belonged to a women who love too much group that was very, very instrumental in saving my life. I went to conferences. I went to workshops. I went to seminars. I went to authors. I wanted to hear them speak. I wanted to know them. I wanted to get, I wanted to soak it up. I told the moderators a couple of days ago, if somebody told me to stand on my head and spit nickels and I would feel better, I would have done it. I had no tools. I had no clue. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was going. And I certainly had no clue on how to get there. And I had people, very, very tough people around me who said, this, do this, do this. And that's what I do. But they also said, do self-care and do positive self-talk. And when I tell people, do my boot camp, and the boot camps are online. I've had people email me and say, when can I come to New York and do your boot camp? You don't have to come to New York and do the boot camp. The boot camps are online. And the last one's going to be in May, and then the next one's going to be in November. So if you want to do a boot camp with me, please send me email. You can, you can write to the podcast, me and Lady Talking Podcast at gmail.com. You can send me mail Susan at gettingpressurebreakup.com. The website is under development right now, so the Gmail is probably the best deal right now. But the boot camps are online. If you want to get into the GPYB boot camp that is starting in May, please email me for the registration form. And the reason I don't have the registration form online is because I only accept eight people. I've had some with nine or 10 only because two or three people sign up at the last minute. 
I don't want to go over eight. I give my boot campus a lot of attention and I want them to be able to give the work, the attention. If there's too many people on a call, you know, we do calls, we do journaling, we do a whole bunch of things. So you get a lot of attention from me. You get a lot of attention from the other boot campers. So when I tell people, do my boot camp, do my workshops, do my seminars, read the books, whatever, I'm not saying it because I'm saying that this is the only thing you need to do. I recommend a lot of other things. Any of my clients can tell you, I'm telling them, read this book, read that book, get this, get that. My boot campers, no, do this, do that. Even we have the GPYB recommended page of all kinds of authors. Each book has big, big, big bibliographies. I'm not saying GPYB is the be all end all of everything. I quote Melody Beatty. I quote Robin Norwood. I quote John Bradshaw. I quote Stephen Levine. I quote all these people who helped me. And in the affirmation stuff, Rick Hansen is one of the people that has come along in the past few years that I really, really love. I love his stuff. And I'm quoting him more and more where he says, neural traits become mental states. And that's about how the affirmations are actually science. It's not hocus pocus. It's not new agey Oprah-esque. It is science. There are many people who talk about and write about things that I'm interested in. And I gladly push my readers and my clients and my boot campers to these other people. If their work coincides with my work, I say, take a look at this person, look at that person, read this book, read that book, go to this work, watch this video, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that getting past your breakup is going to, the book, <laughs> getting past your breakup is going to cure all the world's ills because it's not. I tend to stay in my lane. Right now I'm doing a codependency boot camp, but I do not in any way, shape or form profess to be the next Melody Beatty. I just don't. I recognize her as the expert. And if you want to know who's the expert on breakups, that would be me. I do a lot of stuff on love addiction. I have a lot of people who have relationship addiction. I work very hard at that. And I do not profess to be the next Robin Norwood. But if you want a generic, oh, boo, hoo, hoo, poor baby, I was dumped and, and the world sucks and everything sucks. And, and you want a group to say hugs, hugs, there, there. That's not my group. You're not going to get that. Time does not heal all wounds. Getting a pat on the head with nothing more does not heal all wounds. If that's what you want, this is not the group. And if somebody had given that to me, I would still chasing around. I would still be chasing around my ex. Thank God I'm not because he's dead. But I would say if he was alive, I would still be chasing him around going, please love me, please love me, please love me. I know you hit me, I know you cheated on me, and now you're hitting the dog and the kids and everything, but please love me, please love me. But my therapist, as magical as she was, and the Al-Anon people, as magical as they were, and the support groups, as magical as they were, and the 12-step groups, as magical as they were, and all the places I went to, and all the recovery that I did, and one of the most instrumental things I ever did was going to Investment Excellence, which I went to in my corporation. My corporation sent me to that. I was working in software, and they sent us to Investment Excellence, and I learned affirmations from Lou Tice. And my therapist had taught me very basic, positive self-talk affirmations. I've talked about this before. She gave me a Virginia Satare poster that I had 
on my wall when I opened my eyes in the morning. It was the first thing I saw. When I went to bed at night, it was the last thing I saw. It was I am me and I am okay. And it was this whole long big thing. It was a whole wall. And my therapist gave that to me and I said it over and over and over again, twice a day for two years. And that was good. That was good. That really helped me. But when I became an investment excellence facilitator, everything took off. I couldn't believe it. My self-esteem took off unbelievably. And that was after two years of therapy and two years of doing other ways of doing positive self-talk and going to every group and every meeting and every this and every that, reading every book in the world. But those affirmations taught by Lutais from investment excellence was what changed my life. It was like when I did grief work a few years later with John James and I did it with Stephen Levine and I discovered John Bowlby all in that time frame when I was grieving a lot of losses that had happened to me at once. The affirmations was kind of the same thing, was mind-blowing to me, absolutely mind-blowing. And when I wrote Getting Past Your Breakup and I wrote Getting Back Out There, the affirmations had to be a part of each book because I believe in it so much. And there was that one review that still sticks in my craw, that affirmations were New Agey and Oprah-esque, and they're absolutely not. If you doubt me, get the new Power Affirmations booklet that I just put out. I explain how it's science because it is, and it actually changes physical changes happen in your brain when you do this. I've taken a year to redo the Power Affirmations course because I believe in it so much and I want it to be done perfectly. I revamped the affirmation section of the version three of the workbook because I believe in this passionately. And I put out the affirmations booklet because I believe in this passionately. I've been doing this for 25 years. The entire world has stolen no contact. I wish they would all steal affirmations so that we could get a little bit of traction going on that because it's all explained through brain scans. Just do a Google search. Don't believe me. Put in a Google search, affirmations, brain scans, see what comes up. You're not going to hear that all this is a bunch of voodoo. You're not going to hear this is new agey Oprah-esque. That's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear studies from Harvard, from Stanford, from the University of Pennsylvania. You're going to read them from Ivy League schools, positive self-talk and affirmations, and having a positive outlook increases performance in every area of your life. At home, at work, in love, relationships, family relationships, no matter what. All those things become better when you do your affirmations, positive self-talk, and having a positive outlook. And I explain that all in the affirmations booklet. And I'm going to explain it even more in the Power Affirmations course. And I'm thinking after I finish the, book, the uh, Power Affirmations booklet that I actually might turn that into a book too as soon as I get the when the person you love doesn't love you book out. So let's put the debate aside. If you want to debate me, go debate Harvard, go debate Stanford, go debate the University of Pennsylvania, go debate Cambridge, go debate Oxford, go debate every place in the world that has done studies saying, oh, look at here, look at here, look at what these brain scans have shown us. They've shown us that affirmations and positive self-talk work. Imagine that. Imagine that. And I'm telling you, don't believe me. Go to Google and Google this crap. 
And if you don't do the affirmation part of the program, there's no sense in doing any other part of it because it's a very important part. If you want better relationships, you have to be a better person. You have to think you deserve more. And the way you figure that out is through positive self-talk. And if you're not willing to do the affirmations, if you still think that it's new agey or something, then put everything else away. But if you think that you might have a problem with self-esteem, if you want to be a healthier person, if you want to have a better outlook, if you want to have healthier relationships, pick up the Power Affirmations booklet. Start with the book, then go to the workbook, then go to the Power Affirmations booklet. But the Power Affirmations booklet has everything that the book has, that the workbook has, and the Power Affirmations course will have everything too. They're all building blocks on top of each other. It's not that hard. What is hard is going through life with bad self-esteem and horrible self-image and listening to message that other people have given you and thinking, I've been dumped. I'm such a piece of garbage and I've been dumped. Garbage gets dumped, not normal, worthwhile, wonderful people. They don't get dumped. If somebody didn't see your value, that doesn't mean that you don't have value. And somebody in the Facebook group said, if you don't say dumped, you say set free. You're just putting lipstick on a pig. And that's not true. Stop with the pig. Stop with the trash. Stop with the dump. Let's get out of all of that stuff. I don't know where this language is coming from, but it needs to stop. Language is important. Like I said, I get nuts over the word bitch. Because I've spent so much time studying the effect of language on people, on your self-image, on other people's self-image. And maybe that's why some people don't care about it. Maybe it's because they've never read about it. They've never looked into it. They don't know the consequences of language. Language is important. It's like the third or fourth podcast that I'm talking about this stuff on. Because it makes me want to jump up and down because I care about you. I don't want you to say the words, I got dumped. I don't want you to say the words, I'm a bitch or she's a bitch or you're a whore, you're a slut, you're this, you're that. Why? 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 Why would you do that? Why would you say that to anybody? And why would a woman say that to another woman? And if a man says that to a woman, he's a piece of garbage, garbage, and he should be dumped and thrown out. If you allow it, there's something wrong. You should rise yourself up out of the gutter. Stop trying to put lipstick on pigs and worry about putting positive words into your life. And one of my moderators was really angry because somebody came in the group and said, NC keeps you stuck, which is so stupid. I mean, it's so it keeps you stuck out. And I said to my moderators, I get very cranky about this, very cranky about this. If you're so well that you are now questioning the program, leave. Again, the Facebook group is for people who are doing this program, who are doing this work. Not for people who want to come in here and debate it. I've been doing this for 25 years. It works. And I have the people to prove it. You don't have anyone to prove this nonsense about NC keeps you stuck. I don't know where it came from. And I wasn't going to debate it. So my moderator said it's like doing only half the steps of a recipe and blaming Betty Crocker that it tastes bad. And that's exactly it. Exactly it. I'm the Betty Crocker of breakups. Baking soda is important. I remember when I was a kid, I remember seeing a quarter of a teaspoon of baking soda. And I thought, well, how important could that be? It's a quarter of a teaspoon. 
So I made the cake without <laughs> the baking soda. It was flat, flat, flat. And I still ate it. It tasted like a rubber chocolate cake, but it was still chocolate. <laughs> when it came out like that, I didn't say, damn Betty, damn Betty. I hate Betty. Look what Betty made me do. She made me do a freaking pancake. She made me make a cake without damn Betty baking soda. She didn't really tell me how important that baking soda was. What the hell's wrong with Betty? And just because you told me to put baking soda in doesn't mean that I actually have to put baking soda in. Baking soda just might keep you stuck. And just because I'm telling you to put in affirmations means that you need to put in the affirmations. And when I'm telling you to go NC, I'm telling you that because you need to be NC. You need to understand that closure is your own deal. You need to understand that you need to do your grief. You need to put in the self-care. You need to put in the relationship inventory. You need to do the life inventory. You need to do all of that. Don't leave out the damn baking soda. It's going to be flat as a pancake. Do you want your life to be flat as a pancake? No, you do not. Let me know what else you want to see, you want to hear. Let me know about attachment. I'm going to talk more about attachment because I'm going to talk about book. I'm getting ready to get all that stuff done. I'm going to be self-publishing it and I'm going to be crowdfunding it. And I really hope that you guys come along with me. I hope you become part of the book and you're going to get a lot of views. You're going to be able to give me a lot of feedback. And I really hope that if you've ever had problems with fear of abandonment, you know that that's probably an attachment issue. And if you've ever felt rejection, you've ever felt like you're rejectable goods, the book, the new book will help you a lot. I hope that you are doing your affirmations. I hope you have the Power Affirmations booklet. I hope that if you're waiting for the Power Affirmations course, you sign up. And I hope that if you want to take the boot camp, it's online and it's going to start the middle of May. So please, please, please get me those cards and letters and let me know. Take care, everybody. This is an Elliot Miller Talking Podcast. Signing off. Me and Debbie here. We are signing off. Talk to you guys soon. Take care, all. Bye-bye.